Take your Bibles with me to John's Gospel, John chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 11 through 21 this morning. Title of the message this morning is The Good Shepherd Part 2. We're going to lean in on that statement that Jesus made here. It is the fourth of the I am statements. We, we heard that he was the, when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he said, I am the door. He said, I am the, uh, he said, I am the light of the world last. And now we're getting into the fourth I am statement. Now this statement of Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd, it's a loaded statement. And I think sometimes we as Christians, even though we have, you know, heard these, these texts preached, you know, numbers of times and you've maybe read it in your devotions, it's good for us to sometimes go back to the basics and to be reminded of who Jesus is for, for us. I've learned this, that I need the gospel preached to myself on a weekly basis, almost on a daily basis, right? I failed God this week. Anybody else been there? <clears throat> and I and there are areas in my life where God convicted me of this week. I want to encourage you all, if you listened, if you weren't here, to listen to Wednesday's uh, study. Uh, Tim Ackerson did a great job on communication and conflict in marriage, and he unpacked it. He gave us some practical and some biblical direction, and I just want to encourage you to listen to that if you can. But uh, while he was speaking, God was working on me. Like, <clears throat> he, he was pointing out areas, and that's what, you know, when the Word is taught, it has a way of getting into the, the heart. And so I had to get some things right with God this week. And when I did that, and when I surrendered to God and, and, and humbled myself in these areas, I promise you, God, He did something in my heart this week. He gave me joy that I wasn't experiencing before. He gave me more of a desire for Him. And, and I just want to speak to someone in here this morning. I don't know why I'm sharing this, but God just put it on my heart in the first service, and I want to share it in this service. But maybe you've come in here, and, you know, it's been a year since, you guys remember that first we're in the heavens, and, and it was just electric, and God was doing mighty things, and, and we were on fire for God. And then, you know, it's been about a year, and some of us, maybe we've gone back, we've grown cold, we've, there's a word that's not popular in, in, the, in the modern church today, we've backslidden. <laughs> Anybody remember that word? Heard those old preachers who, who would call backsliders to repentance, and and we've gone back to that old life. We, we, like a dog, have returned to the old sins, the old, the old way. And now you're lacking joy, you're lacking peace, you're lacking the fulfillment that comes from only being close to our shepherd. Well, I want to encourage you, uh, even beginning today, you don't have to wait till we're in the heavens to have revival. You know that, right? We can have revival. I have revival in my bedroom with just me and Jesus. And I promise you, got up put on worship, gotten the word, and my heart just is different than it was the day before. And I, I just want to encourage someone in here this morning as we begin this service, maybe that's what, maybe God, ask God to reveal to you what it is that's maybe causing you to have that separation from your shepherd. But Jesus, of course, is going to make the statement, I am the good shepherd. I want you to follow along with me. We're going to start reading in verse 11. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. 
The hireling, because he is a hireling, does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Therefore there was a division among, again among the Jews because of these things. And many of them said, He has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? And others said, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Jesus had called out these false shepherds in the verses preceding the religious leaders in Israel. They were, as he labeled them, thieves and robbers. They did not care about the flock of Israel. They did not care about God's people. They were more concerned with what they had uh, planned, their agenda, their uh, their motives. And Jesus is going to, of course, expose them even more in this sermon. But he is going to contrast them with who he is. Uh, he, of course, being the standard. He, of course, being the perfect one. He, of course, being everything that we could ever need. And he calls himself the good shepherd. The good shepherd. Now, that word good, it means intrinsically good, beautiful, and fair. The more you get to know Jesus, the more you lean into the shepherd, the more you realize how good he is. He is perfection. He is lovely. He is everything that our hearts could ever desire. And I'm afraid that many people, even some Christians, have yet to tap into all that there is in Jesus. And we've tried to use substitutes in our lives to fulfill what only the Good Shepherd can be in our lives. Jesus, of course, his nature was inherently good. Unlike our natures, which are depraved. Um, and I've, I've seen this, of course, and you see it in your children, you see it in your own life. Jesus, of course, is different. He being God in the flesh, He being eternal, uh, living God, He was perfect. There was no shadow of turning in Jesus, and there still isn't. And He's saying to these before Him, those in the crowd, many of whom which have rejected Him, that I'm not like you, thieves and robbers. I am the good shepherd. Do you remember in Mark's Gospel, when a young man came to Jesus and he said to him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus looked at him and he said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. So what Jesus is saying here when he calls himself the good shepherd, he is in essence calling himself once again God. Because only God is good. And I want you to know this morning that you can have a close, abiding uh 
thriving relationship with this shepherd, even though our nature is sinful, even though we stray like most sheep, even though we fall short, he is welcoming us into a close relationship with him. He says to us, come unto me, all you who labor and who are weary, and you will find rest in me. I dare say that a lot of the anxiety within the pews is because we aren't close to the shepherd. I would dare say a lot of the stress that we carry is because we don't cast our burdens on him, the one who cares for us, the one who can change any circumstance, the one who has proven that he is everything that he is claimed to be. I want you to see the picture here. Of course, the illustration, once again, Jesus, the good shepherd, and we as sheep. Jewish shepherds, they did not tend the, 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 the sheep so that they could slaughter them. There was a few that they would put aside for sacrifice. But even in that, they were treated uh, the, the best that they could be treated. But I want you to understand, these shepherds, they would tend to the sheep because they were valuable to them. They were valuable to the shepherd. The sheep would provide wool for clothing, for other types of garments. The sheep would provide milk. And, and of course, as the sheep would reproduce, there would be lambs. And, and, and wealth was measured in livestock in most uh, of Jesus' day. And I'm telling you, uh, the, these sheep were important to the shepherd. And I want to tell you something this morning, too. You're important to Jesus. You may have walked in here. And you might have believed the lie of the devil and the world and maybe even those, your loved ones near you who said you're not worth anything, who says you're no good, that you'll never amount to nothing. I want to tell you this morning, the Good Shepherd does not agree with that. He loves you right where you are. He's not saying when you clean up and come to me and get your act together, I'm going to love you then. No, my friends, he loves you right where you are this morning. And he wants you to come closer. He is calling out to you this morning. I don't care how far you strayed. I don't care what you've done this week. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. And he wants to be near and dear to your heart because you are already to his. Oh, I love him. I love him. This week he, he just he took that staff and he pulled me in closer. As I was straying in my heart and you know it's so easy to, to stray, isn't it? It's so it's so subtle in our lives and it it, it can happen and when we look back we're, we're we're far away from the shepherd and you know the wolf, the enemy, he, he loves it when we get away from the shepherd. Because then he can come in and he can tempt us and he can draw us away. You know, I heard of another friend, a pastor friend of mine this week who fell, who is not, you know, out of the ministry. And, and I just, you know, my heart hurts. And I just, I understand that, that we hear the headlines, but I know how this thing plays out. I know it's a slow process usually. And I think a lot of times it's a slow process because God is so merciful. He's so gracious. And even in our straying, He's patient. But there comes a time where we stray and we stray and we, we, we get so, we get away from the shepherd and then, boom, there's the, the great fall and the public demise and, and maybe I'm talking to someone this morning who you're very close to that. And this is the, maybe the last opportunity that God is going to give you to repent before He exposes you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be, I'd rather repent in private than to be exposed publicly. And I don't know about 
any of you in here, there have been plenty of times where God's uh, His patience was wearing thin. I could sense it. Because whom the love, who the Lord loves, He chastens. He, he He'll hit you with a little smack. You know, my kids are little, and you know, we tell them not to do something, and it's for their safety usually, right? You tell them don't run away from mom in the parking lot. You know, you can get hurt. You know, they do it. They think it's funny, huh? and that's what we do. We think it's fun. You know, run the stand and tell the. So that's why it's better to just to swat them and say, no, you don't do that. And that's what God does to us as our shepherd. Sometimes the shepherd has to take the staff and the same one that he uses to protect us with and just smack us upside the head a little bit. Say, hey, wake up. But I want you to understand that he's good when he does that. Even in his correction, he, he, he does so not to utterly destroy us. <laughs> Aren't you thankful for that? He doesn't desire to to harm us. It is for us to be corrected so we get back on the path. But I want you to see uh, this morning, there's four special ministries the good, the good Shepherd has in the life of the sheep. I want you to see, first of all, with me this morning, the Good Shepherd dies for the sheep. He dies for the sheep. I want you not to gloss over this. I know you've heard it since you were five years old that Jesus died for us. But I want you to get the picture fresh in your mind today that the Son of God died for us. He he went to the cross and he shed his blood for you and for me. And this is a special ministry that Jesus would only be able to fulfill as the perfect sinless Lamb of God. I want you to see what he says. says, I am the Good Shepherd, verse 11. The Good Shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I want you to notice that statement. He gives his life for the sheep. Before Christ came, the sheep would die for the shepherds. You know, there were sacrifices that would go throughout Israel. The blood was shed from lambs, from goats, from bulls, you name it, different animals that were set apart to temporarily uh, appease God's holiness. And it was all a picture to the coming Lamb of God, the final sacrifice that will be needed. And But now the, Jesus, as the Good Shepherd, He would take the place of the sheep. He would die for the sheep. I want you to understand, this was so important that Jesus, in this message alone, He mentioned His sacrificial death five times. The nature of His death was that of a sacrifice. I want you to understand something, Jesus was not martyred by weak men. Do you remember when the soldiers came to get Jesus that night uh, where Judas told where he'd be? And uh, they came, and they came with a guard of Roman soldiers, probably uh, one of the most skilled guard that they had. They came to take this Jesus. And we know what Peter did. He took out his sword, and he cut off the ear of Malchus. And Jesus said, put the sword away, Peter. And he picks up Malchus's ear off the ground while he's probably screaming, and he puts it right back on. Could you imagine that? If I'm Malchus, I'm out of there at that point. I'm not putting my hand on this man. There's, I don't care if I'm <laughs> punished, whatever. But Jesus said to Peter, Peter, put the sword away. Don't you know that I could call a legion of angels? I want you to understand what Jesus was saying there. He could call a legion of angels from heaven that would destroy the world in a matter of minutes. I want you to understand uh, the power of just one angel. There was one 
in the book of Isaiah, whom God sent uh, to destroy an army, an army of 180,000 soldiers. And he released that one angel that night, and that angel killed the entire army in one night. That's one of them. Jesus said, I can call a legion. A legion could be anywhere from a thousand to ten thousand. And I'm promising you, Jesus was not martyred. He did not go against his will. He said it later here in the text. I didn't, they didn't take my life. I, I give my life. I, I'm laying down my life. And I want you to understand he did so for you and for me. Apart from Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, there would be no redemption. The Bible is clear that without the shedding of Jesus' blood, there is no removal of sin. There is no sacrifice that God would accept apart from Jesus Christ. This is why you can look at any religion that t- tells you, oh, you got to do this. You got to be this. You got to be baptized this many times. You got to be a part of this. And, and they say, this is what will please God. I promise you, we know that that is false teaching. It is only the blood of Jesus that appeases a righteous, holy God. The blood that Jesus shed for me is the only hope. Now, the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient for the salvation of the world. You guys know Jesus died for the world, everyone who would ever inhabit this planet. There is no one beyond the reach of Jesus. But I want you to understand this, that it is only efficient for those who will believe on him. Just because Jesus died for the world, we know that the whole world is not going to be saved. The truth of the matter is, the Bible says, few, few find it. But broad is the, the gate to destruction. and It breaks my heart. I think about, you know, we're close to, I think, we may be there, 8 billion people on this planet. And just to think about the fact that most people will either reject Christ, and I think that's where it is, because I believe the Lord, He will reveal Himself to anybody who truly is seeking Him. I don't care if there's a written language in that in that area. I don't care who it is. There's stories of men who, who would testify that Jesus appeared to them. There are places right now where the Bible is banned, where Christianity is illegal. And I know of Muslims right now, there's a big move in the Muslim countries of people coming to faith in Christ, and they have accounts after accounts of times where Jesus, they said, I saw Jesus in a dream. I saw Jesus in a vision, and he told me that he was the way, the truth, and the life. I, I came to see the risen Savior, and that's why I was willing to be an os- of the ostracized from my family to maybe even lose my neck because I truly believe this Jesus is who he says he is. And I want to encourage you. This is why we have to be on our job. Because believe it or not, America is now a mission field. And there are people on, in your neighborhood who, who don't know Jesus who they've never really stepped foot in the church much, or if they have, they, they're not going to hear a clear presentation of the gospel. They're going to 
hear some type of prosperity message or some other type of social gospel. They're not going to hear about the blood of Jesus and the, the penalty for sin and that heaven is sweet and hell is hot. They're not going to hear that. That's not, that's not meeting people's felt needs. And, and you say, Pastor, why is it that you uh, like to uh, hit on this all the time? Because I promise you, it is only the preaching of the cross that saves sinners. And I'm telling you, the most important thing for any human is that they come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior. Do you believe that? Let's live it out then. I said it in the earlier service. I was taught in seminary that every creature needs a preacher. (laughs) And I'm not the preacher for some of the people that you know. You are. When you go into the store, don't just be looking for what's on your list. Ask God to give you a heart to find some sinner to encourage. I'm telling you, this week I was going into Vons to pick up some things. I was coming from church, studying. And I, my wife said, can you pick up these items from the store? And I'm going into Vons. And, and you know, I'm upset because I, the thing that I bought, you know, a few days ago is, is a lot more expensive. And I'm mumbling to myself. And, and then I see this lady in the aisle and she's, She's talking to herself, too. <laughs> and I can see the frustration on her face. as She's looking at the prices of things, and she's like, did you hear what I was just saying? I was like, no, I didn't hear what you were saying. She was like, man, I'm just so, I'm so upset with the price of these, these items, and I'm on a fixed income, and, man, I'm, I'm just struggling. And we begin to talk, and God just put it on my heart to encourage her, to, 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 to share the word with her, and, and so... I encouraged her, and she said, are, 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 you a, are you a preacher? <laughs> I said, as a matter of fact, I am. <laughs> and um, so I encouraged her, I invited her to church, and, and uh, I'm telling you, people right now, they're in darkness. They're, they're, they're seeing what's playing out in our world. They're seeing how everything that they thought they could put their hope in is just unraveling underneath their feet. And the truth of the matter is, this is a prime time for us to be in the world and to be witnesses for Christ. Because I'm promising you this, people are realizing that they've been lied to, they've been manipulated, that the whole, uh, you know, this global pandemic and all this other stuff that is just magically disappearing right now, um, they understand that there are ramifications for that. There's still people around who lost their businesses or who weren't able to be in the hospital with a loved one when they were dying. I'm telling you, people are carrying the hurt. The children are carrying it. Every time I drive by Lancaster High School, which is near where we live, I see the kids and they're, they're, they're fighting or there's something going on. There's just a, there's just a tension. There's just this, this, this pressure on our youth. Even I'm telling you, this is where, why we must be on mission. I want you to understand something today that sooner or later, your time is going to come. God's going to call you out of this world. And only what we do for Christ will matter at that point. It won't matter how much is in your 401k. It won't matter how many vacations you took. What did you do for Jesus Christ? Who did you share the good news with? Who did you love on into the kingdom? And I, I just feel the urgency of the hour is that the church must step up and fill a void that the world can never fill. You say, Pastor Abram, like, what difference can I make? Oh, you can. I heard about a little boy who was on a shore filled with starfish who had been 
washed up in a storm. And these starfish littered the beach. And this little boy moved with compassion on these starfish, began to throw them one by one back into the ocean. And there was this old cynical man there who saw this, what this young man was doing, and he said to him, Son, you'll never really make a difference. You won't make a dent in this. You know, just, just go along with your day. Don't worry about it. And he listened to what the man was saying, and he bent over and he picked up the next starfish and he threw it in. And he said to that man, well, it mattered to that one. And let me tell you guys, most of us, we won't make a dent on a, on a national stage. We won't, we won't be known when we go to our graves, they won't, there won't be any, our names won't be in bright lights and, and Broadway or in Hollywood. But I promise you, if you win one soul to Jesus Christ, that is more valuable than any Grammy, than any uh, Lombardi trophy, than any, you know, you name it, any prize that the world will say is valuable is to tell one sinner about the Savior and if they receive that Savior oh, they go from death to life and I'm telling you, that's how I'm going to live my life. By the grace of God I've been preaching this gospel for 14 years and until there's no breath in my lung, I plan to preach this gospel in the grocery store aisle, uh, behind the pulpit at the gym, wherever God would tell me to. I want to be a faithful witness until He calls me home. How about you? we get fired up about the wrong things if we got as fired up about sharing the gospel as we do about other things oh what could we see in this world Jesus the good shepherd he dies for the sheep he died for you and for me because you're important to him he loves you we are like sheep in a lot of ways. We Sheep are generally clean animals, unlike pigs and dogs and others. And they don't like being dirty. And uh, you, you see it, a, a lamb or something gets a lot of, get, falls in the mud and they, they begin to, you know, have their, their, their wool just clamped up and, and, and you know, and get into knots and, and they will cry because it's painful. They'll cry because it's uncomfortable. And the shepherd has to come along and clean them off and take care of them and shear, give them their haircut when they need it. And I'm telling you, this is what our shepherd is for us. He has made us clean by the shedding of His blood. And from time to time, we're going to stray. We're going to go back into the dirt of sin. But I'm telling you, He will come and find us there and bring us back and 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 make us clean again and, and give us a purpose. And I just want to encourage somebody in here this morning, you may have drifted back into backsliding and back into the old life. But if you come today and you humble yourself and you confess your sin, the Bible says He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It will be just as if you never sinned. And then that holy fellowship with the shepherd returns. And then the joy of the Lord returns. And then the desire to witness returns. And then the desire for the Word of God comes back. And I'm promising you worship won't be the same. I'm promising your marriage will be different. I'm promising you the way that you live, your perspective will be changed. Only if you come to the Good Shepherd this morning. That's all I got. That's all we really have is to point others to Jesus. He's everything that we could ever need.
And I want to just remind us, He died for us. And the Bible says this, that because He died for us, we are not to live unto ourselves. But we should live to bring honor and glory to Him, the One who shed His blood for us. And that's what God has called us to. The Good Shepherd dies for His sheep. But I want to see secondly, the Good Shepherd, He knows His sheep. Now, we talked about this the last time we were in John, but I want to just hit on it again because Jesus speaks of it. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. So in, in this gospel, in John's gospel, we, we see, of course, this common theme. Jesus spoke about it, how he knew his sheep, how he not only had an intellectual awareness of who his sheep were, were, but he had an intimate relationship with them. Like he with the Father is what he is going to picture. Look at verse 17. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life. And so he talks about how the sheep, are, are they have a relationship with him. He knows them. He intimately is aware of who they are. And I want to remind someone this morning that Jesus know He knows you. He, 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 he knows your name. He knows your address. He knows what you're going through this morning. I was reminded of that as I read through the Gospel this week. Oh, remember He called Simon by name when He called him to follow Him. And then He gave him a new name. He gave him the name Peter Petros, um, which meant rock. He, he would be uh, the one which Jesus... The rock would build his church upon himself, but he would use Peter as his mouthpiece. And he knew Peter very well. He knew his name. He called Zacchaeus by name. You remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man who had to climb the sycamore tree just to get a, a little glimpse of Jesus because he couldn't, by, by the way of the press or the crowd, he couldn't get to him. What did Jesus do when he passed by his way? He said, Zacchaeus... Zacchaeus, I see you. Uh, come down, Zacchaeus, and today I will be with you in your home. I will abide with you. He called him by name, and we know the rest of the story. Oh, I think about after his resurrection, how Mary went to the tomb to anoint his body with the spices and the perfumes, but they found the tomb empty. Aren't you glad the tomb is still empty this morning? <laughs> she was... Sad because she didn't know, she had forgotten his words, but then in the garden, Jesus appeared to her, and he called her by name, he said, Mary, and she knew exactly who it was, and she worshipped him, he knows your name this morning, God knows everything there is to, to know about us, that should comfort you, not only does he know our names, but he, he knows our nature, I have five kids and they're all different. They're all unique. They have all different temperaments and, and, and you can't deal with, you know, the, the other like you deal with one. And, and the same is true for us. In this room, in a room this size, there's so many different temperaments and, 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 and personalities and, and God knows every one of us. You remember within the twelve, within the disciples, Jesus had a doubter by the name of Thomas. He was pessimistic. Everything was bad. When Jesus was going to return to Bethany after they had tried to stone him a little while before, what did Thomas say? Let us go back with him so we can die with him. He was negative. 
He was a negative Nelly, you know, how we like to preach about him here. <laughs> but Jesus loved him. And you remember how he appeared to him and said, look, look at my hands, look at my feet. And Thomas worshipped him, my Lord and my God. I want you to think about Peter. Peter was impulsive. He was prideful. Remember, he said, everybody else would deny you, Jesus, but not me. <laughs> I, I would die before I deny you. But just a few hours later, a little maiden rattled his cage, and he, he cursed, and he denied Jesus three times. And Jesus had told him already, he said, Peter, 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 Satan hath desired to sift you like wheat. And I want to remind us that as Jesus was mentioning earlier in this text, that there are wolves that are going to come, that there's an enemy that we are battling against. And I want you to understand our enemy is nothing to play with, and he could sift us. And this is why we should stay close to the shepherd. But Jesus said, oh, he desired to, to take you out, Peter, but I've prayed for you. When you are restored, strengthen the brethren. He later tell Peter, feed the sheep. And we know that God would use Peter in that mouthpiece and that boldness. He would use him to preach on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls would be saved. Aren't you thankful that God can use us in spite of us? Oh, I'm not up here because I deserve. I am up here serving God in spite of me. And you too. Let's be honest. And so we've got to be humble in that. I want you to know. Jesus knew John, John, the writer of this gospel, John, the beloved. He would later become John, the revelator, when he, of course, received the vision in which we see in Revelation. And, and John, when Jesus called him, he was probably a teenager, he was probably 18 and 19 years old. Um, and he was, a, uh, he was young, and, and that might have been looked as a knock towards him, but Jesus can use whomever he chooses. He doesn't need your experience. He doesn't need your your uh, wealth of what you think, knowledge. And and so uh, he uh, was used of God. Jesus, of course, gave this John the, the responsibility of caring for his mother. And, and um, John was so close to Jesus. He was in the inner circle. He was a part of seeing things that others in the disciple group didn't get to see and and uh, But God used this young man. I think about Andrew. Andrew was a people person. Anybody like that here, you love people? You, you've never met a stranger? Some of you are married to that type of person and it annoys the fire out of you. You can't get out of Home Depot for an hour because he's going to talk to somebody on the, on the way. But let me tell you, God wired your husband or your wife that way for a purpose. You know what Andrew did? He brought people to Jesus. Every time you see Andrew mentioned in the Gospels, he was bringing somebody to Jesus. God used his personality. Now, God doesn't just use extroverted people. He uses introverted people. He doesn't just use uh, people who are loud-spoken. He, he can use soft-spoken people. He can use people who are tentative and, and not assertive. God can use you. I, don't, I want to encourage somebody in here today. God didn't need just all the type A's. Go getters, you know, tear down the, you know, the, the, the temple. He can use anybody this morning. And I want to encourage you, just make yourself available. You know what, you don't know what the best ability is? Availability. Some of you aren't available for God to use because you are the Lord of your own life. Mm. Jesus is your savior, but he is not your Lord. You know who your Lord is? Who you serve. Some of you, your Lord is money. 
Some of you, your Lord is your spouse. I mean, I'm telling you, is Jesus Lord of your life? If Jesus told you to sell everything tomorrow, move to Alaska <laughs> or whatever it might be and serve me there, would you do it? Nine out of ten of you wouldn't do it. <laughs> but that's good, right? But if he did, oh, you say, Pastor, you're meddling. I'm going to, you know, it's okay for me to serve God. You know, and if you're a housewife and that's where God has you, if that's his will, yes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying everybody's called to a, a far remote mission field. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that if Jesus were to say, do this, follow me. Is that what he did with the 12, right? Follow me. He didn't say where. He didn't say what. He said, follow me. And they left all and they followed him. And I want to be that type of a servant for Jesus. And if he says go, I will go. Where he leads, I will follow. Because he's my shepherd. And, and you want to know something, guys? Where he leads, there is where you find peace and joy and protection and provision. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But I'm telling you, some of you have not seen God to be true in dire circumstances because you don't test them. You know, those three Hebrew boys got to know that, that God was who he was because they did not, they, they did not bow the knee to, to, to the statue, right? And then in the fire, you know, see, it's in the fire where you see God to be true. It's not when you're sitting making s'mores in your backyard, just living it up, and your neighbors are all going to hell, and you ain't risking nothing. You know, you. I'm just telling you. Maybe I'm meddling, but I'm, I think this is what the Bible teaches. Jesus said, "If you're going to come after me, take up your cross, die to self." And I'm preaching to myself because we can all get comfortable. It, it's, it's comfortable being a pastor in America with a salary, with with you know, with health insurance, with with you know church with air conditioning. Who was here on Wednesday night? The air was broken and, and people were <laughs> sweating. God is so gracious that I was not speaking that night though. Because I would have soaked my Bible. <laughs> Anyhow. I don't know how I got on this rabbit trail, but I believe something that I'm saying, someone needs to hear. Is God calling you to something? Could it be that when the world is more populated than it ever has been, that out of America, the, the least amount of people are going with the gospel around the world. Do you think that that matches? I don't think it does. You've got to be open to what God is doing. The shepherd, he knows us. He, he knows his sheep. He, he knows our names. He knows our nature. He knows what we need. He, he knows every one of your needs this morning. Aren't you thankful for that? Even though all sheep and all people are essentially similar in their nature, everyone has their own distinctive characteristics. And the loving shepherd, our shepherd, he knows what we need even when we don't know. He, he knows how, uh, how to meet our needs in ways that we can't understand. I was thinking about this. I'm preparing to preach on, on marriage this Wednesday, but I was thinking about this, that many issues in our marriages stem from the fact that we're looking to our spouse to meet needs that only Jesus can fulfill. I've never once had to do marriage counseling on a couple where both are thriving in their walk with Jesus, 
you know, when I've learned this, when I'm straying away from God and I'm looking to my, I have a more critical eye on my wife. But when I'm walking with God, all I can do is, all I want to do is just bring her alongside of me as I get closer to the goodness of God. Some of you men, you don't wash your wives in the Word. You don't pray for your wives. You you rather argue with her. And I know we're, we we preach the men often here, because as goes the man, many times as goes the home. You've been called to be the, the the priest of your home. I've been called to. God convicted me of that on Wednesday. How my words, you know, I was frustrated with the kids. They had broke something else in the in the house, and and I said. <laughs> And y'all, we can't have nothing in here. <laughs> we can't have anything nice. <laughs> and I was so convicted on Wednesday how Tim said, death and life are in the power of tongue. And, and what I say to my kids and how I, these are blessings. Who cares about this house or you know this car? Or, don't get me wrong. You should teach your kids to, to take care of things. Don't be wrong. I'm going to do that. But, but I had to just repent in my heart. That's not how a high priest leads. You don't lead through fear and intimidation and anger and you know losing your cool. You you pray, you intercede, you set the tone, you give them the word, you love, you you steer them in the direction, and when it's necessary, you correct. And I'm just I'm talking to some man in here today. I, I just want to encourage you. You've used your strength and your and your your voice not as a protection over your family, not to utter prayers before the throne of grace. You've used it to demean your wife and, and to have your kids fearful. And I, I want to tell you this morning, the shepherd is not pleased with that. Uh, go to the good shepherd and see how he leads, how he knows the needs and the nature and the name of every one of his sheep. And that should be our blueprint, husbands. We should We will never meet the standard, but we should be striving towards it. And wives, you're not off the hook either. <laughs> you have a very vital role in, in the home. And it's important that you are submitting to God because that's the only way you will be able to submit to your husband like you should. And love and, and, and be gracious. And even when you think he's making a bad choice, you, you trust God. So... Just a little preview of what I'm going to say on Wednesday. I encourage you to be in your place. But the, as the shepherd, as our good shepherd cares for us, we get to know him better. The problem is many of you don't know Jesus to be the good shepherd because you, you don't you look to everything else and everyone else to meet your needs. You aren't close with him and intimate with him. I'm telling you, God showed out this week after I repented. I was at Costco yesterday, and, and somehow I broke my key and for my car, and I couldn't find the, the, the piece of the key, to, so I was stuck in the parking lot. And I had to call my wife to come get me and get the groceries. And so we call, and we, we had to get a locksmith to come out. And of course, it's weekend surcharges or whatever it might be. It's going to be like $200, you know. And who has extra two hundred dollars to throw away, you know, <laughs> these days? And so I'm a little frustrated, but God has been working in my heart. He's, he gave me joy in the midst of it. And so as I'm there, the guy's cutting the key, and I'm just talking to him, just shooting the breeze. I'm not even witnessing at this point, but just talking to him. And he looks at me. It's like all of a sudden he just came, and he's like, 
I'm not going to charge you full price for this. I'm just going to charge you the bear that I can. I have to charge you something. If I couldn't, if I didn't have to, I wouldn't. But so he he gives me it like at you know a fraction of what I would have had to pay. And uh, and I start rejoicing, and I'm thanking God. And then he and then uh, he's like, Oh, you go to church somewhere, or what? What do you do? And he sees a key on my a keychain, and it showed the the church and uh, west uh, west side or something. And I said, Well, truth is, I'm a pastor. And uh, he said, oh, wow. He's like, and I'm sorry for my language a moment ago. I, I, you know, I was, I was. <laughs> But I can tell this guy had a, he feared God or something. Or... Then I go to Wendy's, right? I go to Wendy's. I was eating, you know, I shouldn't go to Wendy's, but my wife wasn't feeling well. And, and so I, had, I, I was responsible for dinner, for dinner, excuse me. And you don't want to taste my cooking. <laughs> so I go to Wendy's drive through but I forget my wallet at home. I come up to the window. They don't take Apple Pay. They don't take Google Pay. They don't take anything. I'm like, well, are, are you guys, are you an establishment, really? Like that, today? Like, you don't, no, I didn't say that, but I, but I asked the young lady at the door. I was like, hey, uh, window, hey, is there any other way I could pay? Like, is there, like, any other app or something that I can pay this? Because I didn't want to go home and have to come back and do all the other stuff. But as I'm talking to this young lady, another lady comes around the corner and she recognizes me. And we had gotten to meet her a few months back. And, you know, she had been over to our home for a baby shower for a friend of hers, a common friend of ours. And she's, I tell her what's going on. She's like, oh, I got you. That's no problem. She, she's the manager. She says, bag it up. And so I leave there. And, you know, I got five kids. So it was a pretty big order. And uh, it was completely free. And. And so I'm just rejoicing and thanking God for little things like that. And I'm just, I'm just reminded that He's my shepherd. And when I delight in Him, He gives us, and He gives anybody who delights in Him, the desires of our heart. He will meet you right where you are. And I just wanna, I don't know why I'm telling you guys all this, but I'm just telling you because He's good. Isn't He good? It's God. And so, I want you to see thirdly this morning, the good shepherd, he brings other sheep into his flock. Look at verse 16. I want you to see this. And we're almost done. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. You want to know where you are in the Bible this morning? It's right there in that verse. You can put your name right there. If you're not Jewish this morning, we have a few, I think, Sherry, I think she's walking out, but she's from Jewish descent. We have a few others who are the Jews, the chosen, right? But I'm telling you, the rest of us, we are Gentiles. And the Bible says this, that the Gentiles were far off. They didn't know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They served false gods. And they were viewed in the eyes of Jews as less than, as dogs. And they did not associate with the Gentiles. But the mystery of the ages, read Ephesians chapter 2, 
Even the angels inquired of what God was going to do when he uh, he would merge the Jews and the Gentile into one bride and and they would be a part of what we know as the church age, the, the age of grace, the dispensation of grace where Jew and Gentile will be invited to sit at the table of the King of Kings and Lord and Lords. I hope that you're encouraged by that this morning, that Jesus had you on his mind here in this verse. He said, there's other sheep. Oh, I see them down the line. I see the world coming to know me oh, as, my, as their Savior and every tribe and every tongue and every nation and, and all will be present on that day. Those who have bowed the knee before King Jesus as Lord and Savior. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm thankful that there's only one flock you know, there's a lot of division in the church today. There's a lot of separation, denominations, and all these other things that divide the church today. That is not and never has been God's will. Now, will we hold hands and sing kumbaya with those with false doctrines? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Will I not hold hands with those who are heretics and false teachers who teach that there is another way apart from Jesus. But I'm telling you, if anyone professes to as Jesus as their Lord and Savior and they believe in the Jesus of the Bible and they're solid, they're my brother and they're my sister in Christ. We are a part of one flock. You guys understand that? And what we need to do in days like this is to not look at the few things that we may differ on, the non-essentials, but that we may come centered around the main essential, which is Jesus Christ. And you know, the devil loves that the church is divided. Because divided, we don't have the same strength. I heard about a Peanuts uh, comic where Lucy was talking to Charlie Brown. And um, <laughs> she was going to give him an illustration. She said, you see my hand right here? These five fingers, right? When they're like this, you know, they're not... They're not very dangerous, right? But let me tell you what, when I put them together like this, <laughs> it's a weapon to be mindful of. And you know what the enemy's doing to the church? He's dividing us. There's so many splinters and fractions and, you know, we, we're, we're this, we're that. And so we're like this and we're trying to fight a fight against one enemy who is not divided. Do you guys see the the unity within the world and the devil's seed, it's mind-blowing how they can come together to get their agenda across. But the church, we can barely get together for a potluck. Come on, I'm... I'm there was a... <laughs> I, I, I can go down this path a little longer, but... And I've been guilty of it in my life. You know, I've been a separatist. I've been prideful and arrogant. In a sense, because that's all it is. We know the right way. Next week, I'm going to be preaching for a friend of mine, and he's a Baptist, and and uh, I'm thankful he he isn't a separatist, and and uh, he's going to get some flack for me being in the pulpit next week. So I'm going to go with my gun loaded. <laughs> and, I, and I'm going to share the truth. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to preach something charismatic. I don't know. 
why the gifts of the Spirit are still active today in the church, you know, why the Holy Spirit is, what's, something's missing, maybe something like that. Because I know some who are straight as a gum bearer theologically, but they are empty, no gunpowder in the chamber. And that was me. And uh, God is radically changing me, and I'm thankful for that. I want to encourage you. We're the other sheep. We are now part of one flock. Jesus always defied tradition. He had women in his camp. He preached to a Samaritan woman at the well. Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. He refused to embrace the Pharisees' elitist view of religion. He then, of course, would die a sacrificial death for the entire world. And then he commanded his sheep to go into the world to reach those people with the message of eternal life. And I'm telling you, he said it. He said, they will hear my voice. Aren't you thankful that you heard the voice of God one day when the gospel was shared to you? I'm so thankful. I wish I could find that preacher at that summer camp when I was a nine-year-old boy. And I'd give him a big hug. Well, I will when I see him in heaven. And I'm going to tell him, you didn't know, but God would one day call me. And there are others who are going to come because of your faithfulness to preach the gospel. Gospel. And I realized that I'm stepping in the line of men and women throughout the ages who would not d- deny the truth of the gospel, who shared the gospel. And you and I are sitting on the blood of martyrs in here this morning. That Bible you have in your lap, the blood of martyrs was shed so that you can have a copy of Scripture this morning to know the truth about Jesus. And I want you to know, hey, nothing is worth doing that doesn't cause for some sacrifice. Let's get the gospel out because there are other sheep. There's other sheep in Lancaster. There's other sheep in Palmdale. There's other sheep in Lake LA. There's other sheep all around us in Leona Valley. I'm telling you, there are other sheep that need to hear about the Savior. And lastly, the Good Shepherd, he takes his life up again. Jesus is predicting his death, but he also predicts his resurrection. Look at verse number 17. He says, Therefore, My father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. And listen to this. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Jesus' voluntary death would soon be followed up from a victorious, by a victorious resurrection. You see, from a human standpoint, Jesus was being executed there on the cross there. But from a divine point of view, he laid down his life willingly. And when he cried from the cross, it is finished. It was because he had completed his mission. He had made the sacrifice. He had shed his royal, red, perfect, sinless blood for the sins of all mankind. And three days later, I'm Glad to report to you that he took his own life up again by his own power, the authority that was given from his father. And I want to remind you this morning, we don't serve a dead savior. We serve a living savior and he's alive today. And one day we'll be in his presence. As I preached here on Friday, the gospel to a somewhat hard crowd at Brandon's memorial service. I was able to say with assurance because of Brandon's testimony of faith, because of the transformation of his life, that death didn't win the victory over him. 
that he was more alive at this very moment than he had ever been this side of eternity. Do you have that same assurance this morning? That when you die, that you will be with Jesus in heaven. Do you know for certain that you have had your sins forgiven by Jesus? The blood has covered your sin. And you are promised what he has promised, that you will have eternal life. I want to encourage you this morning, if you don't have that assurance, make the decision today to open your heart to Christ. Don't put it off. Don't uh, don't sit on it for a while. I know Brandon didn't wake up that morning and say, this was my last day. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus would take his life up again. Now, there are scriptures that say that the Father raised the Son, right? And these are true as well. Both are true. Jesus stated in this verse, um, in verse 18, that he received the word from his Father. He's, he was given the authority. Now, I, I want to just be clear. Jesus is no less in any attribute of deity to the Father. In heaven, there is one throne. Jesus sits on it. God the Father is a spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the other part of Trinity. And Jesus uh, fulfills that. And I want you to understand something this morning. That uh, Jesus, uh, he took up the authority that he rightfully owned when he raised himself up from the dead. But I want you to see, every time the gospel is preached, whether it was by the Lord himself or this feeble preacher this morning, it always required a decision. It always required a decision. You cannot remain neutral when you hear the news of Jesus Christ. And I want you to see what takes place here. Look at verse number 20. Therefore... There was a division again among the Jews. So they were divided again because of these things. Verse 20, and many of them said he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? I want you to understand this morning that you cannot remain on the fence when it comes to Jesus Either he is Lord or he is a lunatic. And this is what they were saying here. They're saying, oh, he's demonized. Oh, don't, why are you listening to him? Oh, why, why is he even something that we're considering? And there's others who said, oh, no, we saw what he did and he healed that man. His words, they resonate with us. What did Jesus say? He said, my sheep, they will hear my voice. They will respond. They will trust in me. So I want you to understand this morning, you are either on this side of the equation, you have heard the voice of God, you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you're on the other side of that, you have rejected Jesus Christ. You are under the condemnation and judgment of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that those who believe not, they're they're condemned already. And you know what? It's a sad truth. Many times I've seen people who have opened their heart to Christ. And in the second they look at me and they, they say this, I've heard this over and over again. Man, I just feel like a weight is lifted off of me. I just feel something different. I feel light. They, they don't even know how to describe what they're feeling and what they are experiencing at the moment that they call on Christ for, sa- for salvation. You know what they're experiencing? The removal of condemnation. The weight of sin is being lifted off of them because the blood has been applied. 
It's just like in uh, Egypt when the death angel came through, he saw the blood applied. He passed over that house and the death angel did not enter in. And I want you to understand when the blood of Jesus is applied to your life, you are forgiven. Your sin debt is absolved. You are now a child of God. You will spend eternity with Jesus Christ for, for all of eternity. You will be with him in his presence. And I just want to encourage you this morning. If you have never done that, today would be the perfect day to do it, to open your heart to Christ. Amen? Oh, if I could only preach one message the rest of my life, it would be the gospel. It would be the truth that Jesus saves sinners, and his blood still speaks today, and it says forgiven for all who believe on him. Aren't you thankful for that? Oh, what a Savior this morning. And we're here to rejoice in who He is. Oh, our Good Shepherd. Aren't you thankful He's your Shepherd this morning? 